Bringing you 100% solely Mishana news and community information. This is News Source 1 Mishana. Let your social media friends know. Hi, I'm Joel of Heart City Church. And friend, I invite you to take your eyes off those New Jordans, that great vacation spot, that rock star we adore, that sports team or athlete having the greatest season. Yes, we were made to marvel and wonder, but those things in our world that cause us to just say, ooh, they're actually signposts meant to direct our eyes to the maker of all those things, God. And Psalm 149 tells us, we are privileged to praise the source of every joy. Psalm 149, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. The final five Psalms all begin and end with calls to praise the Lord. And this is our privilege because we're hardwired to be utterly awed by the splendor of our great God. And we see that wonder of God, it must define and give shape to the life of the church. And we hear how we're to give praise to God and the assembled people by singing a new song. And what this is getting at is the new thing God has done for us. What's the new thing? Well, we hear in verse 2 that God is our maker and we're to be glad in our king. And scholars believe that in the time this was written, David had conquered Zion and Israel had truly become an independent nation. What this means for you and I today as the continuing church, the Israel of God, is that Jesus has come to earth and conquered and he is now king of all, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And you and I sing a new song because he has remade us. We are new creations in Christ our King. And the amazing thing is that while we delight in praising our God, our God delights in us and crowns us with victory. What other religion has a God who comes humbly down to meet us where we are, raises us up to glory, and then dances with delight over us? See Zephaniah 3.17. This is such joy that we don't only praise God on Sunday in the assembly, but we do it the other six days of the week. We see it as our honor. We even praise God in our beds. Now, there's something else that we do the same time we praise. We read about being armed with swords, inflicting vengeance on peoples, binding kings in shackles. Now, sadly, the church historically has taken this literally at times, and they would see it as their right to go to war against unbelieving nations. Friends, this is not what the New Testament teaches. It is true that in King David's day, the people were called to take up swords as David went up to Zion. But in the day of King Jesus, David's greater son, who has now ascended to heaven in the resurrection, what are our marching orders? 
they are to put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, and to take up the weapons of warfare that tear down enemy strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. But they're not physical ones. Actually, the spiritual weapons Jesus has given us are far more powerful. We've been given the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and we are to advance the gospel of Jesus throughout the world. And Psalm 149 says that this is the glory of his people. Friend, have you ever dreamed of being part of something great? But then you look at your life and you think, huh, there's no way. Friend, there is. If you're a Christian, you are the most powerful person on the planet because you have the Holy Spirit, God Almighty living in you. And you have been enlisted and equipped to march into enemy-occupied territories to set the captives free. And doesn't that just amaze you? Jesus won the victory at the cross, and he could have simply dispatched of Satan as his entire demonic horde with a flick of his pinky finger, all gone, just like that. But instead, he has chosen to take weak people like you and me, give us his combat plans, equip us with his own armor, so that we could march out confidently and bring in his kingdom. So why did he do this? Why do we get to join in the rescue mission and crushing of Satan's head? Well, friends, somehow Jesus gets more glory when you share in the joy of his victory. <laughs> so let's praise God for that. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Dole of Heart City Church. As we come to the end of our devotions on the Psalms, it becomes crystal clear that our chief end is to glorify God. The only problem is that we humans are not sufficient to the task of expressing the sheer wonder of the infinite majesty of the Almighty God. The good news of Psalm 148 is we need not worry, we have help. One commentator notes well, every effort of the zealous believer to praise the Lord causes his unfounded excellencies to unveil themselves more fully to our enraptured, admiring, and thankful hearts. And thus, we become more and more conscious of our inability to praise God in a suitable manner. We therefore rejoice to reflect that there are innumerable hosts of angels before the throne in the heights of heaven who are able to praise Him in more exalted strains. And that's where Psalm 148 begins, in the heavens. Listen to verses 1 to 6. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Verses 1-6 to six are a call to praise God in the heavenly realm, for all the heavenly hosts to praise God. Now, in ancient times when this psalm was written, angels were not the chubby-cheeked cherubs that we envision. Angels were often the subjects of worship as they were terrifying in their glory. You read in the Bible how men often fall down in fear when an angel appears. But here we see that these mighty supernatural beings offer their worship to their supreme creator, God Almighty. And we hear about other celestial bodies, the sun, moon, and stars praising God. 
There's this great hymn called All Creatures of Our God and King, and in it we sing, Thou burning sun with golden beam, Thou silver moon with softer gleam, Oh, praise Him, hallelujah. Of course, the stars join in as well. And recent pictures from the James Webb Telescope reveal the dance of the heavenly bodies through the cosmos as they praise their God. On verses 7 to 13, we move to praise in the earthly realm. I couldn't help but recall the opening verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verses 7 to 13. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The first call to praise the Lord actually calls on the scary things of earth to praise God. Sea monsters, storms, and mighty winds who do God's bidding are all called to praise. I found this to be both comforting and awe-inspiring. All these things that terrify us on earth, they actually do God's bidding. He is in control of what seems on our level to be chaos. And then mountains, trees, animals, and birds are called to praise God. And you may say, Joel, how can a tree or a bird praise God? Friends, trees and birds praise God by simply doing what God created them to do. Trees raise their branches heavenward and show out their colorful leaves. Birds soar through the sky and sing to God from the crack of dawn. You realize that the only part of creation that struggles to do what God created them to do is human beings, you and I. We are not free to do what God created us to do because of sin. The Bible actually has a different way of thinking about free will than what we hear. The fact we do evil and often even when we don't want to, shows that we're not free. Freedom is being able to do what God created us to be and do, to be His praisers. That is why it's wonderful that Psalm 148 then calls humans of all types to praise God, whose name alone is worthy of praise. And friend, you and I are now free to praise God because He has raised up a horn. Joel, what does it mean that God has raised up a horn? Well, friend, a horn speaks to power, like the horn of a bull that lifts itself up after a victory. And Jesus is that horn God raised up from Israel. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. The Creator became one with His creation in order to defeat sin at the cross and to set us free. And friend, Jesus is now the one who leads us in praise of God. And one day he will return, at which point it's going to be perpetual praise for all of eternity. Praise the Lord. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. 
D&M Resale Shop locates at 915 Baldwin Street Unit 1 in Elkhart is your unique store that is just like a garage sale, but inside a store. Great items for you and your home. It's a store of love run by a local pastor. D&M Resale is open Tuesday through Fridays 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Saturdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For more information, call 219-229-1220. That's D&M Resale Shop in the City with a Heart. Hi. I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. Last night, I was awakened by a thunderclap that shook my house. I was reminded of a Spurgeon quote about awakening to God's greatness in our world. He said, It will come sometimes in the consideration of the great works of nature, gazing upon the vast expanse of waters, looking up to the innumerable stars, examining the wing of an insect, and seeing there the matchless skill of God displayed in the minute or standing in a thunderstorm, watching as best you can the flashes of lightning, and listening to the thunder of Jehovah's voice. Have you not often shrunk into yourself and said, Great God, how terrible thou art thou! Not afraid, but full of delight, like a child who rejoices to see his father's wealth, his father's wisdom, his father's power, happy and at home, but feeling oh so little. Friend, Psalm 147 invites us to tremble, even as we delight. Psalm 147 Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasant and fitting to praise Him! The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord! and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants, you pe grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends His command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147 opens with Praise the Lord. It's also how Psalm 147 closes. So the obvious question is, why should we praise the Lord? And so this psalm wonderfully tells us up front that we're to praise God 
because it is good. We're to praise God because it is pleasant. We're to praise God because it is fitting for us to do so. One of the saddest things I know as a pastor is that there are dear folks I love who do don't get it. They don't find praising God good or pleasant or fitting. And it breaks my heart because from what I can see, and granted I can't look in anyone's heart, but at least outwardly, they show no signs that they have been awakened to God's glory. And how I wish they would because it is good and fitting and pleasant to praise Almighty God. And Psalm 147 goes on to explain. First, we see that He is the God who heals the brokenhearted. We live in a world filled with brokenhearted people, don't we? And the same God who is so great that He has calculated how many stars to place in the universe and even has taken the time to name each and every one, as great a task as that is, the same God looks down on brokenhearted human beings who put together end to end would not even be able to encircle even the smallest of these stars. Yet, as small and insignificant as we are, God cares about each and every one. Is that not reason to praise the Lord, that He wants to heal the brokenhearted? That is why He sent His own Son to our earth, to gather up the humble and heal them to His own hurt. Secondly, Psalm 147 goes on to talk of God's wide-ranging care of creation. As God sends the clouds, the rain, He spreads the snow, He stirs up the breeze, He causes the waters to flow, the grass to grow. Friends, God is not some distant deity who created our world, wound it up, so you could just sit back and watch from a distance. No, God is concerned about all He has made, and He is ever imminent and intimately involved. And not just with what is impressive. Listen again to verses 9 and 10. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. The psalm began with a call for us to praise the Lord because it is a pleasing thing for us. And now we hear that God is pleased and delights over who would you think? You would think he would like great creatures or the mighty warrior, but no. God delights over those who fear him. Those who get up every day and live utterly awed by Almighty God. They look at the awesome creator who is holding Mars in one hand and fashioning a snowflake with the other, and they say, That's my loving Heavenly Father, and it overwhelms me. So today I'm going to breathe in the atmosphere of his unfailing love so that I can exhale praise of my Lord and marvel that I am privileged to bring him a measure of the delight that he has given me. So my friends, let us fear the Lord and just marvel over his unfailing love. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. One week ago today was the 4th of July. But friends, the fireworks are not over for us who are sampling the psalms. The Psalter ends with five psalms that are like a fireworks display to close out God's great hymn book. Each and every one of these psalms is all about God's glory, and they all begin and end with, Praise the Lord. Psalm 146 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. 
Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. So, friend, what are you planning to do for the rest of your life? Have you made this Psalm 146 resolution? Psalm 146 is the decision of a believer to praise God all their life up to their very last breath. And that can only happen by daily deciding not to put trust in human leaders who cannot save. What a relief it is not to have to despair if the person I wanted to get elected doesn't get elected or if the persons who are currently in power have awful agendas. Psalm 146 tells us their plans come to nothing, just like Stalin's and Hitler's and Napoleon's and Genghis Khan's and Caesar's and Sargon the Great's. Who's Sargon, Joel? Exactly, my friend. All the great leaders and all their plans are eventually lost in the oblivion of history. And that can be a startling thought. What about Joel? Will I be lost? No. I am blessed because I know where my lasting help and hope are found. It is in the almighty maker of heaven, earth, the sea, and all that is in them. My God is so powerful that he started the creation, and he will bring it to a glorious end. And friend, that blessing is yours too, because it's available to all who look to him, because God is forever faithful. God has committed himself to a helpless humanity. That is because the perfect power of God is matched by the perfect pity of God in Psalm 146. For those who are in prison and poor, God shows himself to be their God. You see, God shows solace to the sightless, looks down on the lowly and lifts them. God rescues the righteous. Those who are most vulnerable are those who are most valued by the Lord. Those who are wicked would be wise to rethink their ways while they can. The Lord may allow them to do evil for a time in order to cause greater frustration to them in the end to God's glory. Friends, we will witness God's plan of salvation coming to completion despite all that seems dead set on stopping it in the present. How can we know this for sure, Joel? Because, friends, God's perfect power and perfect pity were seen in our history. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the weakness of our flesh and conquered our true enemies, sin, death, and the devil, and entered into the resurrection life to come. And Jesus now offers his victory spoils to all who come to him in faith and repentance. Friends, because God's perfect power and perfect pity have been revealed in Jesus, we are free to trust that all things will work together for God's glory and our good. 
and we get front row seats for just a moment to watch it being worked out in our day. So my friends, I encourage you to praise the Lord with every breath today because He not only reigns today, but He reigns forever. And if you place your trust in Him for this minute on earth, you will get to reign in immortality for eternity. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. Today we come to David's last psalm and David goes out with a bang. Psalm 145 has a celestial high view of God's glory. Listen, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. Wow! David goes out with a bang, praising God's greatness and His comprehensive care for creation. This is the A to Z of unceasing praise as David marvels at how one generation passes the praise baton to the next so that humanity never stops glorifying their God. And the baton is now in our hands, friends. As I meditate on Psalm 145, I ask myself, Joel, where is your wonder meter at? How amazed by the Almighty are you? Is God your primary joy and glory? A.W. Tozer once wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about that? God, the glorious, uncreated one who stands outside of time and space, he created and placed men, you and me, in a material world, and we have a brief moment in it before eternity comes. And whether we live as those spellbound by his greatness, or if we don't, means everything. 
God hardwired us to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. So what happens when we short-circuit? When thoughts of God are low, the inevitable alternative is a high view of man. If we don't live for God, we will begin living for ourselves. And as we begin to think and live as functional atheists, we begin to malfunction. Listen to John Piper. If you don't see the greatness of God, then all the things that money can buy become very exciting. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. Friends, as our wonder meters drop to negligible levels, we will find our eyes more and more fixed on created things that don't last, and then our lives become a short-lived scramble after ever-diminishing pleasures. So Joel, what do we do? Well, friends, we need to stoke to flames the embers in our hearts of the wonder of God, to cultivate in us awe over the great jo God who is the source of all joy. And Psalm 145 is a great start. 21 white-hot verses that compel us to praise God. Read, memorize, and meditate on passages of that place you and I will one day stand, the heavenly throne room. Think of Isaiah 6 or read Revelation 4, where stunning angels fall down and ceaselessly worship Almighty God. Consider Isaiah 40, where God measures all the oceans in the palm of His hand. I can't even hold a tablespoon in mine without spilling it. Oh, and then God calls out the starry hosts, and these supergiants march out one by one before the greater one who has named them all. And friend, when you're absolutely overwhelmed at the infinitude of your glorious God, then turn to the gospel accounts where this same God takes up the humble posture of a peasant baby, our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into our time and space to meet us gentle and lowly and to offer his life on the cross as a ransom for us. And why did he do it? Why did God die? So that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. 2 Corinthians 5.15 So let's praise God over the wonder of that. My friends, remember who you are and who you belong to. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church, and friends, we've arrived. We've arrived at the end of our devotionals on the Psalms, and we've seen this week that the last five complete the story of the Psalms. What do you mean, the story of the Psalms, Joel? Well, the Psalms are divided into five books, and each have a different theme that creates this amazing storyline. Basically, the Psalms are arranged in such a way that we see the whole story of salvation history. The first two Psalms, Psalms 1 and 2, they really go together and they set the stage with the blessed man who trusts God's word and the problem of wicked men who defy God's rule and his people. And God laughs at them because his anointed will dash them to pieces. And then we hear a whole lot about the life of David, God's anointed king in the first two books. David is constantly turning to God as he faces the challenges of being God's anointed. Saul, Absalom, and other enemies seek to kill him. Book two ends with the hope of David's son Solomon in Psalm 72, who becomes king. And then you have book three, 
Psalm 73 to 89, and things are not looking good. This is the darkest section of the Psalms. As we hear about Israel's kingdom, its temple being destroyed. And when you come to Psalm 88 and 89, you've entered into darkness. Psalm 89 ends with this cry to God, what about your promises to David? The anointed son of David was their hope, but that hope seems gone. But book four begins with a surprise. It's the only Psalm of Moses, which reminds us that God was at work before David and God will fulfill his promises through a new exile. And the Psalms that follow speak of how God is the king who will triumph over all. And then you come to book five and we read right away about another son of David. There's another king coming. And when you read Psalm 110, a Psalm of David, this is really puzzling. In fact, Jesus brings this Psalm up to stump his opponents in Mark 12, 35 to 37. In Psalm 110, David calls his son, his Lord. Usually daddies don't address their boys this way. In Psalm 110, we're introduced to a son of David who is actually David's Lord. And we're off with Psalms that then begin to speak to the salvation that is going to come through this new king. And the conclusion of the whole story is these final five Psalms. And they're like a fireworks display of praise to God. Each and every one begins and ends with praising the Lord. And friends, here's the final one. Psalm 150, where we praise God in the holy place as we begin the praise that will never end. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's it, friends. This is the conclusion to his story. This is the story that God has been at work creating for thousands of years. This scene in the sanctuary is where all of history is moving, my friend. Our final destination is glorifying God and enjoying him together as we celebrate how God had a plan from the foundation of the earth for our Lord Jesus, the greater son and the Lord of David to enter into this world and bring about our salvation. This story has always been about the blessed man, Jesus. And Jesus confirmed this in Luke 24, 47, when he said that all the Psalms were about him. So I encourage you, friend, if you're not already, to make the Psalms a regular part of your diet. And it is good to read them with this bigger story in mind. God created all things, including us, but there was a fall when men rebelled. And we experience this each and every day in our broken world. The good news is that phase three has begun. Redemption in Jesus Christ, who came and conquered all of his and our enemies, sin, death, and the devil. And the only reason the story has not come to the end is because there's still some praisers, perhaps a trumpet guy or a few cymbal girls, who have not yet been gathered up into the kingdom. So let's keep our eyes out for folks we can share this great story with. Perhaps we'll be the privilege to be the very one who shares the good news with that final one of God's elect. And then the trumpet will blast, Jesus will come, 
and the great celebration of the new creation will begin. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. News Source 1 Missiana, Elkhart, South Bend.